and six always. That's, that's for the culture. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. I'm DJ. And here we are, issue 10. We've made it to a whole decade. Well, not exactly, but y'all know what I mean. Anyways, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. My name's DJ. Here we talk about the NBA as a whole with, you know, a slight, slight, slight emphasis on the Milwaukee Bucks, your 2021 NBA champions, and hopefully 2022 as well. But now, all kidding aside, we always start every issue with what we call the take of the day. And this issue's take is... The Hornets have found their Robin to Lamello's Batman in Miles Bridges, and he is also an early favorite for MIP. Now, first of all, if you're not watching the Hornets, what are you doing? These dudes literally came back down 20 points in their first game of the entire season. Talk about a tone setter. But regardless, let's get back to my boy Miles. Within these first few games, I've seen that Miles looks a lot, lot, a lot more confident slash comfortable with the basketball. He's not just out there dunking. I'm not saying that's his only part of his game, however... It's clear that for the first few years of his career, that's been the most prevalent aspect of it. But when we look at this season, again, he's playing a much more rounded out game, killing it on the perimeter. He's also taking guys off the dribble. And obviously, my boy is doing damage above the rim. As you've seen, this dude's averaging 25 points per game on 53% from the field, 36 from three, and 94% from the free throw line. Now, obviously, he can't sustain those numbers. Those are like gaudy numbers. But regardless, this crazy start is going to give him supreme confidence. Couple that with a sophomore LaMelo, the league better watch out. Prior to this crazy start, obviously, I think the big question in Charlotte was, you know, who's going to really solidify themselves as the starter with Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. And man, there is a crazy gap between those two now. I think Miles Bridges is clearly your starter here. PJ Washington is a good rotation player. However, I don't like him as your backup center. And I think with the Hornets, it's crazy that they're off to such a good start considering they don't have their player who really broke out last year in Terry Rozier right now out with like a back injury, I think, but regardless, an injury. But even when he comes back, I think his role will still be really big. He's the third option, in my opinion. And not only that, he's the first option for the first option to pass to, aka that Airbnb connection. But not, Lavelle's not really the first option, but you know what I mean? He's like the face of the franchise there. And just with those two constantly playing together, the chemistry is only going to get better. And man, we could literally be looking at the next, you know, point guard power forward duo vis-a-vis Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, vis-a-vis, I don't want to use this example, but John Stockton and Carl Malone. But fuck Carl Malone. Now, I'm not saying these guys are going to be a Hall of Fame duo. However, they're one of the like crazy young duos we have in the league right now. And I'm mad. Basketball is just so much more exciting when every team is good. I think the Hornets have been a team that have been very mediocre slash ass these past few years. But with drafting the Rookie of the Year in LaMelo, a guy who's obviously, I think, the best in his class so far and will be the best in his class. You know, as well as bringing Terry Rozier, who's somewhat had a resurgence. I hope he continues to do that. Miles Bridges is obviously having a bit of a coming out party right now. As well as solid veterans with obviously Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre Jr., you know, the finest player in the league, man, shit, I, I want to get a tech for arousing the ref. <laughs> All jokes aside, the Hornets, I think, are just a team that's really poised for a good season. They could definitely be a force in the East this year. And remember, like I said earlier, these dudes came back from a 20-point deficit in the first game. Again, that is like a crazy tone setter for the year, if anything. And man, James Borrego and the Hornets, whew, watch out for them boys. Or regardless, to bring it back, just a little recap. The Hornets have found their Robin to Lamelo's Batman, Miles Bridges. He's an early favorite for MIP this year, and I think, man, those numbers are so nice. Obviously, you can't keep them up, but this dude is going to have a breakout season. And y'all know what that means. I gotta give that a guarantee. Appreciate it, Chuck. 
Now, for this first section of the podcast, we're going to go over some superlatives. So what does that mean? If I'm going off of what Google says, a superlative is using an adjective to compare multiple things, you know. And an adjective is obviously a word that describes the qualities or states or beings of a noun. English lessons set aside, let's get right to it. Best game so far this season? It's got to go to this one hands down. The Celtics versus the Knicks. Double OT in the second day of the season? That's it. All right, now before you click off, I'll, I'll expand on that. Don't worry. Crazy game. Jalen Brown showed out, nearly had a 50-burger. Evan Fournier showed out, showed that man. He deserved his money, and the New York Knicks are scary. But regardless, solid game from both teams. Could definitely tell the fatigue got to the Celtics at the end there with Jason Tatum hucking up a shot that guarantee he's hit hundreds, if not thousands, probably approaching the millions amounts of times. But that fatigue really got to them. Double OT, they didn't really play their bench too much in overtime, which I can't blame them. That's like, you want to pull away and you got to keep your best players out there. And I think really the winner was going to come down to who could hold out slash outlast the other. And that was obviously the Knicks. But when I look at this game, it's the best game of the season so far and probably will be for a while. Uh, As I'm recording this, the Suns and Kings just played yesterday. So I would say that's a close second. But that's only because that was the first buzzer beater game winner of the season. Now, heading from the best game, we're going to look at the best team. And this one, I got slated. The Golden State Warriors. Undefeated. It's not just the Steph show. Getting production from everyone. Jordan Poole, two 20-point games so far this season. Damian Lee, a 20-point game. And Andrew Wiggins is playing nice. The fact that Steve Kerr's primary reason for him being there is just defense is crazy. His offense game is so nice with the mid-range. It's an extreme bonus. It's crazy that he's like your third, maybe fourth option. That's a super, super big luxury. And in my opinion, when I look at the Warriors, with Clay and every under-injured player, if they're healthy, I think they're the deepest team in the league. And I think the fact that Steph Curry played poorly in the first game against a team that a lot of people have winning the championship in the Lakers, and they still pulled it out. Warriors are legit this year so far. And I can't forget to show love to my favorite point forward, Draymond Green. I would not be surprised if this dude gets all-star votes again just based off the fact of how good he is at running this offense, as well as the fact that he's so effective, yet he doesn't affect the game in ways that you think, which would obviously be like buckets and stuff like that. But shoot, yo, if you're still sleeping on the Warriors, I don't know why you're doing that. This team is super nice and I think could definitely be a contender. Now, heading from the best team, we obviously got to talk about the worst team. And here I got slated is the OKC Thunder. They're 1-4 so far. Closest loss margin was 8 points. So when they do lose, it's not there's a decent bit of separation there. It's not like it's a close game. But the fact that their very first win of the season came against a team that a lot of people have winning the chip this year in the Lakers... Downright hilarious when considered that they're a tanking team. However, a bit of an asterisk because no LeBron, but a dub is a dub regardless. And, you know, just a little side disclaimer, little aside like they do in court, I think. I don't know. I'm not a law major or whatever the fuck, but. Unwritten rules in sports are so fucking dumb. Darius Basie, man, go dunk that shit. Who gives a fuck what Russell Westbrook has to say? No, but in all actuality, I just, man. The game is about getting buckets. Dude wants to go get a bucket. Who cares if the game's out of hand? It's not like he's like spitting on like the logo or anything like that. Now that's crazy. But the man wants to get a bucket. Let the man get a bucket. Shit. But moving on from that, when I look at the Thunder, they're just too young to really have a shot at even the play-in. Darius Baisley looks to potentially be picking it up. And he's even noticed that, man, I've been sucking ass these last few games. Hopefully this 20-piece can really like be the catalyst for him to having a solid season this year. Joss Giddy's a stat stuffer, but in a good way. He's playing a very rounded out game and doing everything on the court, which is nice. Lou Dort, you know, the Canadian boy, giving good, solid 3 and D time. You know, he's a menace on the court. He really affects the game in, like, ways that 
don't really show up on stat sheets, and he's just, he's a better Pat Beverly in my opinion. And man, SGA is nice with it. The Canadian sensation, the best Canadian player in my opinion. Sorry, Jamal Murray. Shea is really clearly showing that he could be the leader of this team and really be the face of this franchise and clear number one. He's the Batman. But either way, it could be a threat in a few years, but it's clear they have their eyes set on a top pick this year. You know, whether it's Jalen Hardy, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Banchero, one of those like really, really top prime mwah, chef's kiss prospects. Now, coming in now, we got the best player, and I got to give it to the chef, man. Steph Curry. Warriors are undefeated. They're the best undefeated team, in my opinion. When I look at the Bulls, they haven't really beat anybody, but we'll talk about that later. The Warriors obviously beat a Lakers with the big three active. Curry had a perfect quarter. Nobody's done that this whole year so far. I don't think anybody will do that this whole year except him. Showing why he clearly deserved to be on the NBA 75 list. And once Clay's back, I don't care what anybody says. I know he's not going to be as good as he was. At least that's what a lot of people think. I'm very... I can see it going either way just because his game is so not taxing, especially when it comes to shooting. The defense, I think, might be a little slumpish for the first bit. But man, it's Klay Thompson, man. Hall of Famer. Should have been on the 75 list. But getting back to my point, once Clay's back, the floor is going to open up so much more for him. I don't care what people say. You're stupid if you're helping off of Clay to guard Curry. Because you know what Curry's going to do? Something that I guarantee a majority of his assists probably go to. Clay's going to catch it and shoot that motherfucker. But getting back to the chef. Could easily see him in the running for another scoring title this year. And man, never doubt the chef. He could be MVP for all I know. Now, heading from the best player, we're going to take a look at two players who I would consider to be disappointing so far this season. Starting it off, KPJ, Kevin Porter Jr. Crazy high school mixtape, crazy shitty start to the season. But he does get a little bit of a pass just because it's the growing pains of being a point guard. That's the hardest position to play in this league. I can't fully let him off the hook if he's doing 25 turnovers in the first four games. That's just atrocious unacceptable and just overall you don't want that from your point guard kevin porter jr is too good he's poised for a breakout game this season's overall gonna be very experimental experimental sorry my tongue is getting a little mixed there so i think it's okay if he has bad stretches it's, it's some trust the process type shit so i think with the rockets it's just gonna be a lot of you know figuring out what works what doesn't work for the future rather than what's working right now so we can win a lot of games and the second player here this one hurts actually no i have both these guys on my fantasy team but this one hurts the most because he was my first round pick but dame the man is in a shooting slump i think he has like three or four made threes over the first four games which is crazy because if you think about it he's right up there with shooting when it comes to with like clay and steph and ray allen and all those other guys just because of he's the one that i think has really shown that he can shoot from anywhere and you really got to pick him up full court. But regardless, back to the topic of Dame shooting slump. He's beginning to get out of it. However, he's still in it though. You know, the efficiency is buns. And the damn recording is Thursday. They played yesterday and he had like 20 points off 20 shots, which is, you never want that. Dame is too good of a player for this to continue. You know, watch him have like a 50 burger in the next few games. Now, coming from disappointing players, let's head out to what I consider were out of nowhere guys. First one, Harrison Barnes. He was playing like the number one ranked high school player he was playing. You know, he's the guy that I think is really holding it down for Sacramento right now. And his continued success is paramount to potential Kings playoff basketball. Again, obviously, it's like really hedged on the shoulders of De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, those guys, as well as Davion Mitchell. But Harrison Barnes is just, you know, he's their savvy vet. He's their guy that is really going to be solid no matter like who they play. And originally, I think I was one of the people that think, man, this dude should get traded and go to a team that's actually competing. But no, nah, I mean, the Kings have really been in close games and they've beat good teams in Phoenix and Portland. You know, as the season progresses, as Davion Mitchell gets more comfortable... 
The dude's defense is crazy, so once the offense comes in, whew, nasty. But regardless, gotta show some love to Harrison Barnes. Now, the other player I got here is just a guy I've already talked about, Miles Bridges. You know, just another shout out. He's gonna have a good season. The Hornets are a solid team in general. However, they need a backup center. I don't like the fact that 6'7", PJ Washington's their backup center. He's just, that's too small. Bridges, I think, will have a meteoric slump eventually, but he's still early MIP favorite, in my opinion, especially if these numbers persist. And I'm not saying he's going to, like, fall off the cliff and go back to, like, averaging his regular numbers. I think he can average a solid 18 a game, but just this 25 he's on right now, I don't think that's necessarily sustainable, especially when Terry comes back. But, again, he's still going to have a big role. He's, in my opinion, the third option. But even then, the Hornets just got a lot of bucket getters on their team. I think they had a really good offseason as well. They surrounded Lamelo with a lot of shooters. Kelly Oubre. Actually, maybe not with Mason Plumlee. But there's a lot of guys that Lamelo can get the ball to in order for him to really facilitate the game and be one of, if not the best passers in the league. Now, that's going to do it for the superlatives of this issue. But before we head to a little break slash get into the buck section, we're going to do some takeaways from this season so far. So, flat out. Lakers spacing is awful. I'm still a big, like, non-believer in this team. I think all three of your stars are guys who need the ball in their hands and not guys who, in my opinion, play well off ball. So I just think it's going to take a while for them to get the ball really rolling. I don't see them being a top seed this year. Once you're in the playoffs, seeding doesn't really matter, in my opinion. You're telling me, like, if LeBron's in the eighth seed, he doesn't have a chance to beat the first seed? Come on now. But regardless, when I look at the Lakers, their spacing is just ass. Next up, I think Rookie of the Year is a three-horse race between Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and this dude really came out of nowhere, Chris Duarte. Now, a lot of his shots are because Karis LeVert and TJ Warren are still out. However, I think he's proven that he deserves at least rotational minutes. And man, if he comes off the bench and he's not playing against the starters, whew, dude could be cooking. Next up, with the new rules, I think James Harden should really look to do most of his damage on the perimeter. It's clear that they're really starting to crack down on those stupid bait fouls, which in my opinion makes the game so much better because those fouls are just, they're so ass. I hate seeing that shit. But I will say it is a little sad to see James Harden having a little bit of a slump, but former MVP, multiple scoring titles, James Harden is too good of a player, just like Dame, to really let this slump slash adjustments really hinder him to a major extent so he'll figure it out as well as the fact that he's coming off of a hamstring injury where he re-aggravated it so badly that he tried playing a game on one hamstring so regardless nothing but respect for the beard however just from what i've been watching with the nets i don't think him getting to the basket is the best option right now until he gets used to those new foul rules now heading from one team in new york let's talk about the other the knicks flat out significantly better team when they go to the playoffs, it's not just going to be Julius Randle out there by himself. Kemba Walker is still solid. He's putting up solid numbers. Obviously, he's not going to be the 20-25 point per game all-star that he's been. But you don't need him to be that. I think with the Knicks, their guard depth is really nice. You obviously got Kemba, D-Rose, and even Emmanuel Quickly, I think, is a really good young guy that's starting to come into his own. And man, Evan Fournier, dude's a hooper. I think he's really using that Olympic experience as well as that maybe slight salt from getting the silver medal to really just pop off this year. And man, so far, he's looking at the signing of free agency so far, in my opinion. He's definitely been one of the best out of the players that have signed new deals. And man, again, the Knicks are scary. Should be super fun to watch them come playoff time. And last but not least, I don't think people, people shouldn't overreact to the Bulls. However, I understand if you want to, though, just because with Chicago basketball, it's been a while since they've been this good or, well, have had this good of a start to the season. Last time they were 4-0, man, just like Drake said, 
Back to back like I'm Jordan 96-97. Whoa. <laughs> Drake bars set aside. This next slate of games should be a true testament to where the team stands as it is right now. So I'm recording this Thursday morning. So this game hasn't happened yet. But by the time you'll hear this, it will have happened. Excuses aside, here's their next little like stretch of games. The Knicks, Jazz, Celtics, the Sixers twice, Nets, Mavs, Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, Nuggets, and back to the Knicks. That is like a month or so stretch of playing top, top, top tier teams in this league. And I think there's no way they're coming out of there defeated. However, if you can come out of there 500, looking nice. But yeah, when I look at the Bulls, I definitely don't see them being towards the top of the conference. I think they're more in that four to five range. However, they could peak at three, especially since we don't know what's happening with Ben Simmons right now. So that's going to do it for this first section of the podcast. Now we're going to go into a little intermission before we talk about the Bucks. I'll see y'all in a bit. Alrighty, y'all, now it's time to get into the titular team within the podcast. Your 2021, hopefully 2022, NBA champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, with the early goings of the seasons, here are just some takeaways I have. We need to realize it's a long season, 82 games, first time in a while that it's been like this. Not only that, the bad teams don't know they're bad yet. And also, when I look at the Bucks, we're probably the most banged up team right now. That's not an excuse, it's just, it'd be crazy not to acknowledge it. We only have like a game and a half with our big three. Chemistry is still being built, new system still being adjusted to. However, I like that the young guys have gotten a lot of decent run, especially with Jordan Nawara. Sandro Mamu of Kyler really is getting some nice run in. Georgia. Matt, I thought it was Georgie, but it's definitely not that. But Kyler Zykus had some decent stretches, but I like that those guys are going to get to really develop in the G League and they'll definitely be able to play like good minutes there and really improve and round up their game in the hopes of maybe getting the call up this year. But definitely, I think the big thing with the Bucks so far is an early injury bug. We only have one game game with the actual starting five it wasn't even a full game because drew only played about 18 minutes but brooke lopez hasn't been dealing with some back injuries which is a little concerning given that it's his age 33 season bobby portis didn't play until yesterday went on wednesday and man you could already tell pfizer forum was really rocking when they saw bobby because that dude's like the heart and soul of this team aside from Giannis. but with other things with the bucks i think the pace is a really big thing we've had a lot of slow starts and we play like ass when we're playing from behind multiple chances to pull it back against the timberwolves but we couldn't capitalize but it also didn't help that fucking delo decided to finally pop off but back to the topic at hand the pace is just so ass to start you can't give up 42 points in the first quarter that's crazy Especially not to the fucking Timberwolves. But this is probably just me kind of eating my words because I thought the Timberwolves are going to be good this year. And they have been so far. Especially against the defending champs. Nah, but I think a lot of that really just comes down to the fact that we're not healthy right now. So it's a very much a lot of mismatching and not what the actual like lineups and rotations are going to look like. So slight pass on that. Now heading from these early takeaways, let's talk about some of the players. Giannis. Playing at an MVP level, in my opinion though, might be falling in love with the jumper a little too much, but I think that's a good problem to have. You can tell Giannis is really trying to round out his game, and that in my opinion, only thing he's missing is a reliable three-point shot. And I think if he can have numbers close to his rookie season, where he averaged, I think, like 30 or 35% from the three, man, no doubt he's going to win his third MVP. Not only his improved jumper, which is nice, so much more, so much quicker, so much silkier. I like the new free throw routine, especially with the fact that it's faster than Usain Bolt running the 100 meters. So that's a big improvement. But overall, when I look at Giannis, he's showing why he's not only one of the highest paid players, but why he's one of the best. 
In my opinion, he's either one or two. You could interchange him and K KD, in my opinion. And when it comes to awards, I really like his odds for MVP and DPOY. There's not going to be, in my opinion, voter fatigue this year just because you have that gap year. So now they can really see like, oh, wait, no, this, this guy's the best. Flat out, this guy's the best. Let's give him the awards. And shit, man, they should start playing him on the bench so he can win six man of the year. <laughs> nah, but jokes aside, heading from our, our heartbeat of this team, let's head over to look at one of our new additions. We got Grayson Allen here. Personally, I like him better than Dante in the starting lineup. I think he fits better. I hope Dante's a six man who runs the offense when he's back, but I feel that Allen hasn't fully meshed with the team yet, but when that does happen, trouble. I mean, he's already averaging three threes a game already too. And just when it comes down to fit, I think the big thing is that he can play a lot better with catching and shooting the ball rather than Dante, who I think is a lot more kind of hit you from everywhere. Grayson can do that too, effectively, but he also shoots 40% from three. So, I mean, well, you got to do what you got to do. Overall, with Grayson Allen, I think he was an underrated free agency move, one of the best. And when it comes to him, he's just someone I think truly completes the starting five. Now, heading from one of our new additions, let's talk about, you know, the solid guy, the dude who always holds it down, Chris Middleton. And solid. Perfect word to describe him. Now, when it comes to Miami, <laughs> all started to get a pass for the Miami game because that was, that was a shit show. But when it comes down to it, he's about to be the all-time franchise leader in three-pointers, and that's not even his main game. But I will say, I would like to see him take over games more often. He's playing a little too passive right now, but that's probably just an early season thing. You know, let other guys get their rhythm because Chris Milton, shit, man. This dude didn't really get much of a break because he played till like deep August or whatever the fuck the Olympics were. So he had probably the, not probably, but flat out. Any of the guys who played for the US or France had the shortest off season. That's a bit of a, that's a, you'll take the good with the bad kind of thing. Because that way they don't have to really get back into a rhythm as much as these other guys. However, they also don't really get a chance to rest their body as much as the other guys. Now, when I look at Chris Middleton overall, he's just still the perfect player to pair next to Giannis. And he's poised for another solid season. As well as another season where he's severely underrated. In my opinion, he's one of, if not the, most underrated player in the league. Now, last player we're going to talk about for today, Jordan Nawara, baby. You can definitely tell he's playing a lot better. Still a lot to work on. Definitely improved his defense, which is a big plus, because that's the big thing we're looking out for, man. Blocked KD. Someone a lot of people would deem unguardable, but shit, man, he clapped his fucking ass. Nah, jokes aside. <laughs> man, I will say, though, his efficiency has been totally cheeks. But that's just a product of getting more minutes, though, so I'm not too stressed about that. However, I will say, I would like to see him look to pass the ball a bit more. He's been doing that, but maybe just a little bit more, and it would be like, you know, Mwah, chef's kiss. But when it comes to Nawara, I do like that he's getting a lot of solid minutes right now, though. He was in the closing for that Timberwolves games. However, I think a lot of that just has to do with injuries. But when we look at the rotation, he's definitely ahead of guys like Semi and Rodney Hood. I mean, Semi was shooting the ball way too fucking much last game. Didn't even hit any, but... Dude hustled, almost lost a tooth for the to get possession. So man, still love the man. And Rodney Hood, I think, is just gonna be a good reserve player for when we're dealing with injuries. Can definitely still hoop, but I don't know about him being ahead of Nawara on the depth chart right now. That's gonna do it for today's issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. But before we give my closing remarks, let me plug my shit real quick. Okay. So aside from actual the actual pod, you can find more content from me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. All of those are at Bucks and Six Pod. That's B U C K S I N Six I X P O D. As well as my personals for IG and Twitter, all at my name DJ Dehoya D J D E J O Y A. All right, don't worry. That that's it for the self plug stuff today. Now to conclude, I am so happy basketball is back. 
I can't wait till things start to settle and everyone's in mid-season four, when, you know, when everybody's starting to peak. Whew, gonna be so nice. I will say, it's definitely crazy to see how the standings are right now. I mean, the Nets have had a slump to start the season, but again, they're too good to not be competitive. The Ben Simmons thing looks like it's supposedly coming to an end, but I still think the man's gonna get traded. And again, the shitty teams don't know they're shitty yet. So this is probably, aside from actual postseason, close to postseason stuff, when it starts to get tight, this is probably gonna be as competitive as it gets right now. Because all these games matter if you're a shitty team or one of like a team that's potentially on the cusp of making the playoffs, but might not. Compared to teams where it's a bona fide 100% they're gonna make the playoffs, these teams can really, I think, not necessarily cruise, but understand that the season is much more of a marathon rather than a sprint. But before that, I just want to give a shout out to the rookie class, the 2021 NBA draft class. Man, they've been hooping. Crazy to think that Cade Cunningham hasn't even played yet. Once he does, whew, this class is definitely shaping out to be, I don't want to say one of the best, but you can't deny that they're having a good start. But regardless, thank you guys for listening to another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. I hope you guys have a good one. Hope you're really starting to enjoy the season because I know I am. And remember, there aren't a lot of guarantees in life, but the things you can bank on death, taxes, and bucks and six. Have a good one, y'all. Yeah, bucks and six always. That's, that's for the culture.